0: Hello and welcome to the stew with JT brew, usually a football podcast, but now a hockey podcast for this one. This is the NHL around the ice with J T and toast. We've got a keeper league draft home league. We're going to break down coming up. Stick with us here. You're in the stew. Uh, you up on trades and why you moves, You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub. to so start an institute. Make evaluations like a commission to do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your your are in picking tools when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting people. sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones Through different groups. Universities, institutes, sound to homies who kick in groups. I introduce. You this week, J.T. Bruce. Hello, welcome to Stu. I Am J.T. along with my co-host Brian Toast-Clark. Toast, happy to have you, man.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me again, J.T. This is three Wednesdays in a row, and let's see if we can keep it going. Um going to say before we get started, you know, this is a bittersweet time of year, uh, you get the draft. It's a lot of fun. And then it's over and we have the season. So, you know, I'm sad because the drafting's over. It's coming to an end. But then we have an NHL, man, getting ready to start on October 10th. So I cannot be more pumped.
0: Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's the favorite time of year because you want to get to where we do these drafts, which is just awesome. We do a live draft together with all our guys, which is just a ton of fun. Everybody goes up to my brewery, JT Walker's Brewery. Have a great time. Uh, so much fun all together, but now it's time to put it all together for the season. We are going to jump into it here. We're going to show you and break down our draft board. Here's what we got. Kind of toes walk us through here. Kind of start off with, you know, what you saw with the draft and, and kind of everything we did here. 10-team keeper league where we keep three.
1: Yeah, before I go into breaking down this draft, it's JT and you and I can actually do that together, have a lot of fun um let's uh give our listeners a little bit of a breakdown on this, the format again so they kind of know what they're looking at as jt said it's a it's a head-to-head 10 uh, team format we got 22 rounds uh, we have 17 starters and five bench uh, we did not use uh positional um players forwards or forwards um we did not have positions and we have defensemen we have goalies so those three scoring format goals are 4 assists are 2 we got peripheral scoring of like game winning goals 2 a bonus of 2 hat tricks is a bonus of 4 shots on goal point 2 shorthanded goals another bonus there of 2 points and we're bangers league we got hits half point blocks half point and pims point 4 so And then goalies. We really try to value those goalies of wins, three, shutouts, two points, saves, .2, and goals against only a negative half point. So we have a keeper format, like JT was saying. Um, Everybody's got to keep three from the previous season. If a player was kept the following season by any team, they slide up two spots on the board each season kept. So... Um, that really, really, uh, creates a lot of strategy for our, uh, for our, uh, uh, players. So in essence, players have draft tags given to them when they're drafted in the previous season and in the playoff format, we got six teams qualified for the playoffs, two teams in a regular season automatically get buys at the semifinals, each playoff matchup lasts two weeks in length. So that's a little bit about our league. And, uh, JT, before we jump into this board as well, you know, I want to talk about, value you know uh how do we want to go about recapping this draft i really want to concentrate more on the value picks we may end up talking about some players that got drafted a little too early but again let's talk about more about those value picks uh, in in relation to adp you know uh, where um, somebody may have got somebody about three rounds, you know, um, early, which was awesome or three rounds a little bit later. Um, so uh, we're going to concentrate more like that. So uh, um, if you don't mind, man, I can go ahead and uh, start us off and uh, walk our listeners through the first couple of rounds.
0: Yeah, it just, a, just a real little reminder as we talk about the three keepers. Uh, this is something we talked about in our pre-show a couple of shows ago where we talked about why we like fan tracks and made the move to fan tracks from ESPN after over a decade there. Made everything so much easier. We could keep our keepers in the actual round we drafted them in. Like fan tracks let us do that. So you'll see uh they, we don't have a set marker on the keepers there you'll see some of these guys will be like, how is that guy in the eighth round? Why is he in the ninth, 10th, 12th round? It's because these are guys we kept. And so that will make the top of the board look just a little bit different than if you're doing maybe a set recap, uh, redraft league, or you're doing a brand new like startup dynasty league. Things are going to look a little bit different at the top of your draft uh, than what we have. And so in case you're saying like, you know, for example, how did Connor McDavid go 1-9? How is that even possible? Well, he went really early in our draft a couple years ago, and then he's just been kept every year. So whenever that team does really well, they made it to the semifinals this year, he keeps him as a first-round pick. So in case for listeners everybody's letting you know that's where we're kind of falling in some of these spots. And then if you see a little white space uh, with a different name at the top in the corner on the draft board, that just means that that pick has been traded. So it's showing you who's the team that actually got that pick. So just a little housekeeping one to take care of uh, kind of before we kick things off here.
1: Yeah. Perfect JT. And uh, um, I will say uh, fan tracks accommodated our draft um, so well this year. Um, And I will say as well, we finished in a record time this year for our home league we were done in two hours and 15 minutes <laughs> normally we're not in two hours and 15 minute mark we're probably around the eighth or ninth round not even to the halfway point so not only you know did they give us a great platform to work from but they sped up our draft as well we end up having a great time so uh, it was awesome but uh um yeah let, let me go ahead and we'll walk through the listeners who the um through the first round here the first couple rounds anyway and I'm not going to elaborate what I'm going to do is I'm going to simply list these off um, by by players where they went I will mention who was kept but I'm going to stop at certain players I want to talk about um, that I think actually have pretty good value where they were drafted and uh, uh, we'll, we'll go into a little bit of detail so draft started off uh, with a keeper Nathan McKinnon to crack house John Martini and then uh, pick number two uh, that was a trade so a lot of people on the on the podcast as a uh, uh, jt was alluding to why did hostess jepson malort that's me why did you take Connor bedard well again this is the keeper league so i'm i'm again i'm banking that bedard will be like david in two to three years and then i'm gonna be like so glad i kept him. so that's the reason why i took bedard um third pick in the first round David Pasternak. Fourth pick, John McGlynn. We're going to talk about McGlynn. McGlynn's a new player to the league, a big hockey fan. Um, He's over there on the Commissioner's Evaluation podcast for fantasy football. And uh, so this is his first year doing this. I tell you what, I'm going to talk about how John, I thought he had a really, really good draft. Um, So took Steven Stamkos. Can't go wrong with Stamkos there at four. And uh, pick number five, Mitch Marner, JT. At pick number six in the first round, You take Kucherov. Great value there. We were just talking about that before the podcast started. Unbelievable value there for Kucherov. Um, you're going to get a guy that's going to get oh close to 100 points throughout the season. Um, you get him the sixth pick there.
0: That's just again, you can't go wrong. And then we have some keepers. Go ahead, JT. No, I was going to say I took uh, I had the number one pick last year, and some of the, the keepers were different. I had Pasta the year before. I took Marner with the number one overall pick last year because a lot of these guys got kept. I took Marner, so I was kind of thinking, like, maybe Marner gets back to me at six this year. I never thought Kucherov was going to be there. I didn't think so at all. I didn't, He wasn't even on my, like, draft board. I didn't even have him in the queue. I just didn't think he was going to get there. And then when Marner went in front of me and Kucherov got to me, I was like, you know, goal. I'll take it. I mean, I, 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 lo- I loved it. I was I was super pumped to get him at, at one six.
1: Yeah, very fortunate. I mean, if I wouldn't have went to the Bedard route on pick one, two, um, then definitely the draft board was, would have looked a little bit different um, and it may have ended up taking Cooch there. But, man, uh, when I took my, my chance there at 2, and, again, I don't really think it's uh, too much of a chance taking Bedard there at 1-2 considering what I think he'll end up being. But that just kind of stacked the draft board after that. And, man, Cooch are off to kind of land at 1-6. That's gold. That is gold. Um, uh, pick 1-7 through one ten, those are keepers. So you got Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, of course, and JT Miller, a bangers uh dream, if you will. I mean, uh, Miller's awesome in the Bangers League. Here's where the draft um starting in the second round. At 2-1, Sidney Crosby. Good pick. Alex Ovechkin in the, he's been a perennial keeper, first rounder. Um, just uh teams decided not to keep it, keep him this year. He fell to 2-2. He's usually a top five. Um, player in our format because of all the hits he ends up uh, having all the shots on goal And of course the 50 goals a season. So he's uh he's pretty darn good Um, At 2-3 Braden point 2-4 Alex Barkoff then Alex the at 2-5 to JT and in, uh I at toast I took Rupe hence at 2-6 John Tavares at 2-7 Roman Yosi, the first defenseman off the board that's a not a keeper, at two eight, two nine. Al, uh, it's uh, Panarin, and two ten is Miko Rantanen. I saw Rantanen today. Lower body injury. He'll probably end up making the opener. That's nothing new for Rantanen. Usually he is a little banged up from year to year, um, but I'm I'm not too worried about Rantanen at all. Uh, JT, anything you want to chat about there uh, before we move on to round three?
0: I originally had Point and Barkov on my mind coming to my pick in the second round. And when they both went right in front of me, I'm not going to lie, I kind of froze up a little bit. Uh, and then I saw Zebragan there, and he's a former Red Wing or former Blackhawk, now a Red Wing. And I, I think my fandom took over just a bit, <laughs> and I reached for him here. I, I probably if i went back i probably wouldn't have taken here him here at two five you know i'm a big knee guy i was a little worried about taking knee at two five i was hoping he'd maybe get back to me at three six it didn't happen uh i i like Deborah. i think that was a reach by me a little bit there at two five
1: maybe a little bit of a reach again um um Great player. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up scoring 40 goals there. He's done it two different times. He scored 41 goals uh, with the Hawks uh, at two different occasions. So, uh, young player. Wouldn't surprise me if he did it again. I uh, want to mention there at 210, that Miko Rantanen pick, that is a keeper as well. So, if everybody's wondering, like, why did he actually follow that late in the second round, he's a keeper. So, uh, Crackhouse, John Martini there, uh, always a great player in the league. Uh, he's an um, he, original member of this league. He's got McKinnon and Ranton as the keepers. Um, so, I mean, pretty stacked up with the Colorado stack there. But I want to say in the second round here, the pick, and I'm not going to go into detail about this one. I just want to say the pick, I think Barkov uh, by Jensen, five hole ticklers there in the second round at, at 2 4 value pick. Um, Barkov uh, maybe had a little bit of a down year. When we say down year, it was not that down comparison to a lot of his peers, but what we expect to Barkov a little bit down. Um, but I really, really like that pick at two four.
0: Loved it. He was my guy. He was my guy at two five. I had my eyes all over him, and like I said, when he got taken right in front of me, it kind of bit me. I wasn't ready. I was. I didn't have a backup plan. I thought I was getting him, and when he he went that side, I kind of I kind of jumped ship and went crazy. But I thought I, I I was pumped. I wanted Barkov there. It's uh, and we'll talk about it later. But I wanted him there at two five because I got Kachuk as a keeper in the sixth round. And I wanted to pair those guys up.
1: you know what? And great stack. That would actually would have been as well. Uh, uh, So you, you had a plan and again, you pivoted a little bit. Uh, That's what happens. Uh, So we get here in the third round. Uh, Nylander starts off uh, to uh, John Martini Crackhouse. So he's got McKinnon, Ranton, and Nylander, great teams, great players. uh, Great start of the draft there. Um, Eichel uh, goes to Freddie, Hull and Oates. At 3-2, and 3-3, three, three, the first goalie comes off the board. No goalies were kept. We got Shesterkin. So, uh, America's SEAL team sticks. Uh, that's uh, uh, Sanderson. He starts off the draft with Pasternak, then comes back with probably, arguably, besides McCarr, who was actually kept, the best defenseman, Yossi, and then comes with the best goalie, arguably, is Shesterkin as well. He wanted to win some positions as well. So, I really, really like that, the way he ended up coming out there. But the player I actually want to talk about here in the, in the third round is Marshan. I'm going to tell you, uh, John McGlynn, this is his first year in this draft. And I mentioned that before him and I actually had some conversations on the phone about maybe some strategy. He listened to some of the previous podcasts about, you know, Hey, if, if I've been out of the game and actually been out of uh, hockey fantasy for a while and you know, what strategy should I take? I told him like, you know what, look at those top teams that score perennially every single season and they're in the top five in scoring. And draft those players. So, what did he do? Stamco's Tampa Bay, Tavares, Toronto, <laughs> Marshawn, Boston, Kane, Edmonton, Nurse, Edmonton, Krocek, New York Rangers, Kopitar, Kings. Man, did he follow that formula or what? He really, really, did a great job with that. But I want to talk about Marshawn because I think Marshawn was a guy who fell a little bit further than I actually thought. And um, looking back, I mean, I took hints at 2 6. Hmm. Okay. I like hints. I, I, I love what Dallas is actually doing, but Marshawn's a guy who probably went a little late. You mentioned DeBrinket, who, who took JT at 2.5 and also maybe Panarin who went at 2.9. I think Marshawn's an outscore to those guys. Um, and uh, again, no horn, no foul, uh, not bashing anybody who ended up deciding to go that route. But Marshawn's a guy that I actually identified it fell. Um, so, he has been a point per game player the last seven seasons. And you can't deny that. Everybody's like, all right, well, Boston's lost so much, this and that. But I tell you, though, you still got Pasternak. You still got Marshawn. You still end up um, having McAvoy. You've got great Golden. You got great, Goulton, you, got great uh, you know, uh, blue liners. You're still going to be a part of a very, very good team. Last year, he shot at 11.5%. That was the lowest shooting percentage of his career. He's a career close to 16 percenter. I expect that to go up. All right, so I mean, Marshawn's a guy who McGlynn is very, very fortunate he fell to. Great pick by McGlynn. I was I was pretty excited for him to get him.
0: Yeah, John. I was so toast. I was just going to say this because John got on here. Uh, was he's got a couple comments. He said that Tavares' pick was phenomenal, which I actually thought it was really good. He got uh, him in the second round, and then he said he said toast. Uh, He also made a comment. Thanks for the heads up toast. JT was no help at all. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I left it to the experts. uh, But I want to just emphasize sometimes you can get some of these older players with a really good price tag because you get some of us people that are in multiple leagues and we're thinking dynasty, you know, we're Mm -hmm. thinking younger guys our minds on dynasty. And sometimes as someone that plays a lot of dynasty, especially in football and in hockey, you can get to the redraft season and you kind of can be in that mindset where you just want the young guys. And you, you sometimes forget like, Hey, I need the guys that score now. I don't care that they're 34 or 35, like they're going to put up points. And I think that's something to, to keep in mind, you know, when you're going and doing either a redraft or in our case, you're doing a keeper league. Because yes, can you get some of those younger keepers? Absolutely, you can. But also, sometimes you can get some of those keepers late, and you can just keep taking the old guys at the top of the draft. And they like an Ovechkin who just keeps scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. And Tavares, another guy, just keeps scoring. Marchand, another guy, just scores. So again, taking those guys early that will produce you points this year, where you can turn around and go like, "Well, I know I'm not going to keep that guy." I'm going to draft him there because he's scoring points, but I can keep a guy later. I can get value later. And I think sometimes, you know, different strategy. That's why me and you both love keeper leagues because it's not a straight redraft. The keeper league, it makes the draft count, but it also leads, lends it to different strategies. You know, guys decide, hey, I want to keep my three best players. I want to keep my first, second, third rounder. And you have other guys go, eh, I'm going to see who's left. I want to take value. I'm going to take a young guy in like the 16th or 18th round and keep him and see if I can hit on him. So I like that about keeper leagues as it changes the strategy as opposed to a redraft league where you're just like, hey, this is the number one guy, this is number two, this is number three, and you just go down the line. I also wanted to point out real quick that Sanderson kind of stealing a little old JT playbook the last couple years where I've always gone first D, first goalie, to try to win a category spot. And uh, he went with Yossi and Shestri, uh in second and third. And I laughed because he had Pastronic in the first, which I was like, that looks like exactly like one of my teams from the last two or three years. I was like, he is like, he is basically stealing my strategy uh, from the last couple of years, which has worked pretty well a couple of times and has burned me a couple of times as well.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. I really like him winning those positions. Um, in the first three rounds, there he did not have any keepers in the first three rounds. Went Pasternak, went Yosi, went Shosturkin, winning went positions. That's a really, really good start uh, to that draft. And uh, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the uh, dynasty versus redraft, and the keepers kind of that in between, right? It's that hybrid, and uh, that's why I love. Um, that's why I love our league format. So, hey, John McGlynn, you were actually on the chat here. Um, If you were drafting in a dynasty, I'd be like, hey, what the heck are you actually doing? But guess what? You weren't because Stamkos is older. Tavares is actually over 30. Marshawn's over 30. Kane's getting up there. So Trocek's actually up there. So is Kopitar. Doesn't matter. Great draft. Really, really great draft for uh, a a first timer uh, coming into the draft board. Um, And really, I'll, I'll move on here. Uh, so, um, at three five, I I, I have a keeper of Brady Kachuk. Uh, Kachuk uh, is a um, he's a top three player in this format every single season. I started off as him being a ninth rounder. Now he's up to the third round. Um, does not matter. Um, love the guy. Uh, he produces hits, shots, um, goals, assists. Now he's really just coming to his own. He's the leader of that team. Um, so three six, we have Kyle Connor. Three seven. Seveshnikov for Carolina. Um, he is a peripheral machine. Um, he'll end up getting hits, blocks, shots on goals, goals assist. The only thing with Carolina is again, they spread it around. No one one player dominates and th- that's what makes up a great team. Um, they're, they're not the best for fantasy, uh, but they are the actually best for the NHL and actually winning cups. I mean, they haven't won one yet, but man, Carolina does it the right way. Um, Gaudreau uh, going to Aaron Tomatic, slew foot at 3 8. Sebastian Ahu at 3 9. And then close out the third round, Mark Shifley, 3.10. But here's what I want to talk about, uh, uh, JT. At 4 1 and 4 2, we have Dylan Larkin end up going to the meat sweats. The defending champion, Steve Dietz, Dylan Larkin. So I love Larkin here at pick 4 1. And And the reason being, Larkin will outscore Panarin at 2-9. He's going to outscore DeBrinckit at 2-5. He's going to outscore in this format. Again, we're talking about a banger's league. Hits, blocks, pins, goals, assists, shots on goal, game-winning goals, hat tricks, whatever it may be. He'll outscore Gaudreau at 3-8, and he's going to outscore Ajo at 3-9. Great value pick there at Larkin. He had the, hey, last year, point per game player, biggest point total of his career last year, he had 79 points in 80 games, huge jump in power play last year, and he's only going to get better with the cast around him. So he had a lot of power play points as well. So think about that. If if your league counts power play points, man, go look at his stats from last year. He had a huge jump there. They're, they've they been in rebuild mode that they, they, the guys are playing, right? So They're only going to get better. And Nico Heischer falling to 4-2. Man, those are guys. So I end up taking um, so Dougie Hamilton at 4-6. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and get my defenseman there. I'm hostess Jeffson Millard. But I wanted Larkin or Heischer, both of them. Both of them got taken. I had to kind of work on the fly. End up taking Hamilton. Let's talk about Heischer a little bit. Again, he's going to be better than Panarin from this format here. He's gonna be better better than Dabrinkit, Gaudreau, and even Aho, and probably Shifley as well. Think about he's playing with Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, man, Bratt was, he's been on a tear this preseason. That doesn't mean anything, but that doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. Um, He, uh, uh, last year, he sure had the highest point per game total of his career last year, 80 points in 81 games. Um, He shot right at a career high of probably, uh, right around 12% last year and he shot the putt 256 times last year. That's about 80 times more than his average from the previous seasons. I see him doing it again this year, even better. I mean, he sure is just coming to the form. Um, he's got a great supporting cast, so uh, I love those two picks at 4-1 and 4-2. What do you think, JT?
0: Yeah, I actually really was kicking myself when I saw Larkin go 4-1. I was like, <laughs> how? How did I let him get past me and I told you I got a little seduced because Kyle Connor's been my keeper for the last couple years. And I was like, hey, it's time to change it up because I think he would have jumped up for me uh, to round four this year. And I was like, hey, that seems about where you should go, round three or four. So no reason to keep him there. And then when he got to me at three, uh, three, six, I was like, oh, Connor's there, at three, six, my old keeper. I got to take him. As soon as I took him, And then Larkin came off the board. I was like, oh, man. I was like, (laughs) what was I thinking? I should have taken Larkin. So I was kicking myself big time. And then, of course, I had to retroactively take another Detroit Red Wing to fix the fact that I didn't take Larkin. So I jumped in and took Sider as my first defenseman that wasn't a keeper. And then you took probably the better take and, and Dougie Hamilton. Uh, you probably a better, better move there. But uh, you know, my fandom came through and I took Cider uh there at four or five, which I think he's gonna have a really good season because I think the the Red Wings who really struggled to score the last couple of years really started to kind of turn around last year, even though the record was bad, you could see them starting to go in the right direction with all their young players. And so I, I kind of, I'm, I'm buying in there. And uh, again, I had to fix, you know, right my wrong by missing on Larkin there. So I took cider. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think everything you said. I, I like where you're at. I think John McGlynn is a first timer in this league. I actually love the strategy of going the older players, the guys you can count on, the guys that have scored, the guys who have done it. I actually really love his strategy here because, you know what, he can switch up keepers and do all kinds of things late and, and make trades. That's the best thing about this league. We can trade guys and get keepers and trade a draft pick. So even if you end up like with a bunch of older guys you don't want to keep, you can get good value from someone else. So I love the fact that he came in, went veteran heavy early, and got guys that are guaranteed known to produce players. I thought it was just a great move. Yeah, um, for
1: him to come in and get those veterans, not only veterans, but, man, like we talked about, on those teams that we know score. And every single season, they score. Um, so he, he took the advice, and uh, he ran with it, and he ended up having a really, really good draft. And I wouldn't kick yourself too much for, uh, you know, passing on, you know, once Larkin actually went, JT, and you got Cider. Man, to have Darlene at your first defenseman as a keeper, and then Cider as number two. Man, and then have Wawrzynski at number three. People are drooling over that that blue line right there. I mean, the, those guys are fantastic. So, but talking about guys from the blue line, we're here. In, we're we're here in the fourth round. If you see right here, all these guys that are in purple. This is these are defensemen. This is where the first defenseman run happens. Now, Makar, Dalene, Eric Carlson, Morrissey, Truba, those guys were kept. And they were kept all over the board at great value, but this is your first goalie run, so it starts with um, it starts with Fox, Adam Fox. Then at four four, Jason Robertson goes again. That was a keeper. So, uh, but then you got Cider and you got Hamilton, you got Bouchard, and you end up having John Carlson at five one. So I mean, think about that. Th- those are your Oh my gosh, I, I would say those are probably your 1B guys. I mean, you have a top tier. I think maybe McCarr is in a tier on his own. But in our format, really, McCarr, considering this is the Bangers League, he doesn't do a whole lot of uh, hits, blocks, pims. Yeah. So really...
0: He, he's he, definitely he made... a higher guy you take in another league. McCarr in a non-Bangers yeah. League, you're going to take him probably one of the first defensemen because he's a guy that can score. But in this league, while he's still a stud, he's just not as high as some of these other guys because of the hits and blocks. And again, like you said, when Adam Fox went at 4-3 and Larkin was off the board, I was like, I felt a defense run coming, and that's why I jumped on Saturday. I was like, hey, I'm going to go him now, knowing that I had Darlene later. I was like, hey, I'm going to take a guy that I really want now, which for me, I've had John Carlson a ton. I love him. The guy puts up points. He scores. He was injured a lot of last year, which soured me a little bit. And so I was like, you know what? As a Wings fan, I'm going to take the younger, higher upside guy here. And I just wasn't sure how many guys would go before it got back to me in the fifth. And I felt like if I didn't take a guy by that point, got back to the fifth, I was going to be waiting for a long time again before I, I really saw a guy I liked. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take cider here. I could have maybe got him a little later, maybe, but with the way the board ended up dropping, I'm glad I took him where I did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, you got ahead of the goalie run. Or, I'm sorry, the uh, defenseman uh, run. Defense and, run. Uh, yep. th- yeah, that, that was that again. You sense it. Uh, you got ahead of it. Uh, it's going to work out well. Cider's uh, probably in the end. I know they have fair. He'll probably end up being power play one. They may end up going two defensemen. We don't know yet. Um, there's been a lot of talk about them going three forwards, two defensemen on the first power play. But nevertheless, he's been there. He's established. Uh, he's gonna have a great season. Um, but I tell you, uh, one of the guys I want to talk about here as we get into the fifth round, and uh, so John Carlson actually goes at five one. Matt Boldy at five two goes to Freddie Pollen oats. our boy Freddie. So, in my in my opinion, another great value pick um i think that matt boldy if you look at him um he probably i'm just going to go ahead and click on his name here anyway and um well anyway you you guys can't see us but nevertheless he had 31 goals 32 assists last year 63 points in 81 games and that is coming from a 21 year old last year this guy is a stud so this year year three i could see him getting over 40 goals having 40 assists point per game player um if you think about it, guys like Evander Kane went over him, and Kane gets a lot of peripherals, lots of hits, blocks, puts his body out there as well. is great for a banger's league, but I mean, we had we had uh, Adrian Kempe go at four eight, we had Kevin Fiala actually go at four ten, we had Mark Scheifele go at three ten. Heck, we had to end up having Johnny Gaudreau go at three eight. He's an asker. All those guys, he got him at five two. Freddie, great pick with Boldy at five two. Love that one. Um, another one I actually let, let's keep going down the road here before we end up getting other ones we like. At five four, Darnell Nurse came off the board, defenseman. And then I end up going a little bit of a different. At five five, uh, hostess Jepsen That's me. Toast. Uh, I end up. I never draft defenseman and goalie this early, ever. Uh, but I felt so great about my keepers uh, this year. My keepers were uh, uh, Brady Kachuk who's a top five player in our format. Karel Kaprizov in the seventh round is a keeper. Um, he's a top 10 player in our format. And then I end up having um, uh, Tim Stutzle, who's in a 20th round, and he'll be a top 15 to 20 player in our format. So I already loved my forwards, and I was going to go ahead and uh, um, go um, you know defense a little bit more earlier than I would have with Dougie Hamilton at 4'6", and then UC SARS at 5'5". Five, five. In my opinion, I wanted to win that position. I thought Saros may end up having a little bit of a better uh, season as Shisterkin. He's right in a the conversation there. He's a top-tier goalie. Gonna go ahead and get one. I normally don't do that.
0: Yeah, I was shocked, Toast, when I saw you do that. I know you're you're usually like when you you see the old uh, Braveheart clip, and he's like, you know, hold, hold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you. You're always like, hold yeah. on, defenseman. Hold on, goalie. I, I mean I get in there and I start drafting guys early. And you're like, JT, whoa, but whoa, buddy, you're getting there a little early on me. I like I like to jump out and get like the top of the guys. And this year I kind of held back a little bit. I like when I saw you go defenseman right after me in the fourth and then jump back and take a goalie in the fifth before I took a goalie, I was like, Ooh, I was like toast is uh he's either been drinking the a Lord or he's trying to go with a different strategy this year. <laughs> I was like, I was, uh, I was, a, I was shocked. I have to be honest. I was a little surprised by that, but I like what you did.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's just me really liking again, the top, uh, the, the top of my, um, my roster. Again, think about maybe I can win some positions and no one who actually had behind me uh, with some players that are still on the board, um, I was just pretty confident. So I'm like, I might as well go ahead and get those again. I would not have done that in previous years. There's been a lot of years where I'd come out seven, eight forwards in a row to start off the draft. And I just go that zero goalie or that zero defenseman approach, uh, wait for those guys who actually get hits blocks, wait for the defense or the goalies who um, uh, play on teams who end up winning. You know, and uh, they may not be the sexy pick, but they end up getting wins, and I'll just wait for those. But this year, decided to go a little bit different. JT, at um, uh, 5'6", you took Jack Hughes. That's your keeper. 5'7", five-hole takers. That's Jensen, Elias Pedersen, another keeper. 5'8", Jordan Kyrou went to Slew Foot. And uh, that's our boy Aaron Tomatich. 5'9", Mikhail Sergachev goes to long Live the note. And Jeff Daler is always in the top one or two in our league. Uh perennial. Uh, he's always one of the best players. And then Pierre Luc Duplois at 5'10 to round out the top the first five pick or the first five rounds there. He was also a keeper. And then in the sixth round, we have Omar go um, at six-one. Patrick Line A six two, six three, Kale McCarr is a keeper. But I want to talk about. A guy who fell to a 6-4. And that's uh, Jenny Malkin for Pittsburgh. Um, so if you look at five-hole Tickler's draft here with Jensen, Matthews is a keeper. Love Barkov in the second round. He gets Sevestnikov, who ends up filling all of the categories. This is not a category. league; is a head-to-head league, but nevertheless, he just gets you a little bit of everything. Robertson was also a keeper. Pedersen's also a keeper. So he had Three keepers in the first five picks, ended up uh getting Barkov and Sveshkov in between. So he was getting greedy at this point, and he comes off with Malkin. Malkin, to me, that's a pick by Jensen. Is that I'm going for it here. I love mm-hmm. my team already. I'm gonna go ahead and go for it. I'm gonna get greedy. It comes down to health as always with Malkin. Last year, he was finally healthy. I want to say he played between 78 and 80 games last year but normally he plays between 40, 50, 60 games every single season. He's older or whatnot, but I tell you what, man, I love the home run swing by Jensen in a six-runner, uh, you know, reaching. I wouldn't say he reached reach for Malkin, honestly. If you think about it, he we're in a six-round, 10 teams, there's been 55 players off the board. We have some keepers, so he's probably a pick around 60
0: or 70. I think that's great value. I love it. I love the value. I think he's one of those guys that I think – You just kind of forgot about, you know what I mean? He's a little bit older of a guy. People are maybe a little bit down on the penguins this year. I mean, he's the guy that's gone consistently top two or three rounds in this draft almost every year, almost every year. And he's a guy I probably would have had my eye on, but I knew I had a bunch of keepers these next couple rounds. So I kind of was like ignoring guys in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Because once I decided I was going to go defense in the fourth, I knew I had two keepers in a row. So I was kind of ignoring this middle of the draft, thinking I'm not going to gain these guys anyway. I thought that was just absolutely outstanding value. I mean, even if he gets hurt, say he does get hurt. See he only gives you 55 games. In the sixth round, when you play him, I mean, and we're not a week-to-week league. I mean, we're a day-to-day league. So if he sits out and you can put another guy in for him, or he gets hurt and you throw him on the IR, he's not crushing you. It's not like, well, we have an IR, so it's not like, oh, I got him. He's only playing 55 games. Like, he's going to crush me those 20 or 30 games he doesn't. play. throw him on the IR and pick up somebody that's going to play a bunch you know it's not going to kill you so i thought i thought that was an absolute uh, steal here in the 6 i thought uh you know Lenny uh in, in this round was good too he's a guy that was gone much higher in other years people a little bit down on him on columbus but i thought in the 6th round i i liked it
1: yeah yeah and um with uh, Fantilli uh coming to columbus this year he's going to be on the line with Line a there <laughs> on the line with line a and on um, a tongue twister there and uh um, they're they're gonna be better. I mean, they're still good, they're still maybe a year or two away from um, you know, kind of realizing their potential or whatnot, but line A is a proven commodity. Um, playing with a guy like Fantilli also actually like that pick a whole lot. Um at 6'5, you had Matthew Kachuk as a keeper, amazing value there. I took uh Jeff Skinner at 6'6, six, six. Buffalo is gonna be a machine at six seven. Vinny trocek Again, we talked about John McGlynn drafting the older players, whatnot, but again. They're they're on great teams. They score They got great deployment. Great pick by John. 6'8". We got we got Petrangelo going um, another defenseman. Tyler Toffoli at 6'9". To Freddie. And then Jake Ottinger at 6'10". To um, the John Martini uh, crack house there. Um, Love. And he goes back to back goalies at 6'10". And 7'1". With Sorokin and Ottinger. Man. That's a I love what he ended up doing there. Get the goalies out of the way. He really, really liked the fact that he had McKinnon, Rantan, and Nylander up top there with a guy like John Carlson, a defenseman. So he's, again, going to win positions. I really, really like that as well. Um, Victor Hedman goes at 7-2. Uh, you know, Truba is a keeper at 7-3. And then we got Anze Kopitar at 7-4. And uh, then Cabril Kaprizov, my keeper at 7-5. Boho at 7-6. We got Tom Wilson at 7-7. Cole Caulfield at 7-8. Timo Meyer at 7-9. And Miro Heisken at 7.10. But I want to stop right here, uh, JT. Um, before we go on a little bit here, we start an eighth round here. Um, there's only been, uh, let's see, Shisterkin, Saros, Omark, Ottinger, Sorokin's been taken. But then i tell you what, the eighth round, you got a little bit of a goalie run. You got Alex Georgiev for Colorado. Uh, he had a, he had 40 wins last year at Colorado. Um, I mean, again, wins are actually really, really valuable in our league as well. We don't really, uh, you know, minus the goalies too much. Connor Hellebuck going at 8-2. I'm, what, what can you say about him? The guy's a top three to four goalie every single year. And then Thatcher Demko goes at 8-3. Um, I love the fact you took at eight, five, that's um, He's going to be out probably two months um, you, for your first goalie. You're willing to actually wait. You like your roster enough. Really, really like that strategy there.
0: Yeah. I, I usually take goalie a little bit earlier, but I was like, I just kind of told myself middle of the draft uh, pick six. I'm going to kind of wait on goalie and kind of see who comes to me. Everybody kind of hammered those three goalies right in front of me. And I was, like, looking, looking. I was, like, kind of thinking what teams had goalies left, what good teams had goalies left. And guys, I I was like, man, I was like, I really like my team. I know he's going to be out a while. But I was like, this guy is a guy down the stretch and in the playoffs that could crush it for me. So I just I felt like pulling the trigger at 8-5 at that point um, was good. My Hobart pick, I that was one I wanted back at 7-6. I liked it but I didn't love it. Um, Wilson's a stud. If he doesn't get suspended uh, in our format, <laughs> yeah. he's a yeah. guy I always get worried about. He's going to do something stupid and get suspended. Right. But man, if he stays in, he plays, he just gives you crazy points. I felt like I was in a weird area here in the seventh and eighth, where I didn't absolutely love certain players. So I kind of went to the whole bar just because I've had him in leagues, you know, Islanders need somebody to score. So I, I kind of went with him there that hoping he has a little, you know, another year in New York. Now he maybe is a little more comfortable. Maybe he has a little more of a breakout. And like I said, as soon as I saw goalies going off the board, I'm like, what's the best team and the best goalie left. And he was the guy for me. And that's why I jumped on him at that point.
1: Yeah. Great strategy. I, um, I love the strategy there again, try to win the position at that point in the draft and you actually did. So, um, but I tell you, uh, one player went right before, uh the slew foot to uh went to aaron Tomatic, um and aaron's always great he's always great in this league uh huberdo i think that's one of the steals of the draft and here's why um he should he should bounce back uh last year was the worst season of his career and why i'll be honest with you it's his first year in calgary and it had very little to do with him they were putting him on a third line This is a guy who ends up having 115, 110, 115 points a previous season with Florida, gets traded, goes to Calgary. They put him on a third line. They also put him on power play number two, and they got a clown for a coach. I mean, that's not going to continue. This is a guy who went in a top, oh, I would say if he wasn't a keeper, he's going to first 10, 12 picks of a draft for the last three seasons before then. And we get a, and then Slewfoot comes in and gets him at 8 4. At 8 4. That's great, great value for Huberdeau. um So <laughs> I was actually loving Huberto. At 8 6, I ended up taking Elias Lindholm. I was happy at Lindholm as well. um You know, he's going to go ahead and center that Calgary line. He's going to play with Huberdeau. um They're going to be on a top power play together. But man, Huberto for me was, I would say, between. Uh, the 7th, 8th, and ninth round, he was the top pick. He was the best value pick there for sure.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I thought, and that's why I think you always got to worry about those guys who are a little bit older, maybe just got traded, or maybe had a down year that was like nowhere near any of their other years. Hockey's a weird thing where you see guys bounce back a lot more than you do in other sports. Some sports like football, when a guy like hits the wall, he hits the wall and it's done. You know, you we talk about it with running backs all the time. You get past, you know, tw- year age twenty eight, and those guys hit the wall, and they're just it's like in a season they're finished. It doesn't work that way in hockey. Sometimes guys, if situation changes, coaching changes, you know, move somebody around. Sometimes they have a statistically down year, but typically those guys that are are good stay good for a lot of their career. So I I'm always a fan of the bounce back. Look for that bounce back and value in hockey. And I, you're right. I think he maybe got one of the best steals in the draft.
1: Yeah. And uh, I got, um, um, home at eight, six, uh, John Gibson goes at eight, seven. That may have been the only mistake McGlynn ended up making of the draft a little too early for uh, Gibson. He's a value he's a, he's a, um, he's a goalie who gets uh, a lot of work. Um, he is a lot of work goalie, but Anaheim won't win a whole lot of games this year. But again, McGowan had a great draft for first time here. Very, very good draft. Toast. Still toast. I was going to yes. jump
0: here. I was going to jump in here on the Gibson pick. So yeah, this is a pick that I would murder in a regular scoring goalie league. But in this league, I don't hate this pick. Anaheim is terrible. Gibson's going to get a million saves. Yes. but because we value saves in this league and we don't just crush you for losses because there's a lot of leagues you get like negative five for a loss. And so if you're on a bad team, like you don't want any part of those bottom 10 teams. You, I mean, no part of them because they're going to end up clearing out a lot of points for you. But if you get in a league like we have where the losses don't crush you and the saves actually help you, Gibson could end up being – now, this was a little early for him. I agree with you on that. But Gibson could end up being a solid play in this league because he could end up facing 30, 35 shots a night. If he loses 4-2 and he gets 31 saves out of 35, he's going to still be okay for you. He's going to give you points. So that's one of those things I think always look at the scoring system because if you're in a league that really, really hammers goals against – and really hammers losses, and doesn't do much for saves, you want to avoid any of these goalies on bad teams. I mean, just absolutely stay away from them, and they'll kill you. But if you're in a league like we've made it, where you want to play guys that actually get stops, and they don't have to win. Now, the win is a bonus, and show are bonuses. They help you, but losses don't kill you. Then I think Gibson uh, is actually a decent pick. Here, again, too early for me. But I don't think it kills him in this. I believe.
1: Agree, JT. Uh, at eight seven, a little early, but could he end up going at ten seven or eleven or at eleven four, and still been the first goal at the board for for his team? Would anybody have actually criticized it at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So again, in the end, it'll end up being good. It'll work out. Uh, just a little early for that, but a uh, great point you end up uh, bringing up there. Um, I tell you like what you uh, jumped
0: in and said a hundred yeah. million saves is what he's gonna get this year yeah, and he will because saves for Gibson
1: <laughs> because there'll be nobody else end up taking reps from him and that's the way it's been been for Gibson and Anaheim Anaheim's uh, I tell you they're they're on the rise uh they got the Troy Terry um they uh, Trevor Zegers uh, finally start, signed his UF or his RFA contract there uh, went to arbitration uh, got a three-year deal his bridge deal there as well. Um, they got Jamie Drysdale, um, on the blue line as well. They're rebuilding. That is a team on the rise. John Gibson is actually the veteran there. Nobody else will actually be there to challenge him. So he will definitely get a ton of saves. So, uh, again, uh, John, we're going to continue to sing your praises here, man. You did a great job in a draft. Um, Forsberg goes at eight, eight. It's a matter of staying healthy, right? Uh, Pavelski, mm-hmm. uh, eight, nine. Love, love, love Pavelski. Um, being on that top power play top line at Dallas, that's a great value pick there for Freddie um, Burns. Brent Burns goes at eight ten, and then we get into ninth round. Carter Verhage, ninth round. I think he ended up having somewhere in the neighborhood of close to forty goals last year. Um, and and Verhage and himself uh, there for Florida. Uh, he's twenty seven year old. He's going to be entering his twenty eight year season. Um, got great deployment there in Florida. Really really like with Verhage. You got gussison the goalie for minnesota at nine two mcavoy the defenseman for boston goes nine three he'll be their power play one quarterback and drew goes at nine four for ottawa another great pick there and then um, the guy i want to talk about here i'm going to go ahead and brag on myself a little bit here i guess but um at joel erickson ek the guy with the last name of ek ek but (laughs) <laughs> I was thrilled to get Eck here. That was my stack. To go ahead and put him with Kaprizov. Uh, they may end up not playing on the same line, but they may end up. They're definitely going to play on the same power play. The last two seasons, he's become pretty. He, he's he's become a pretty darn good player. His shots have doubled over the last two years in comparison to previous season. He only sh- he shot under ten percent last year. He put the he put the puck on net two hundred forty-seven times last year. He's probably likely to for with thirty goals. 40 assists this year, 70 points and probably run 75, uh, games. He's close to a point per game player. I got him a great value in the ninth round. I was pretty excited to get him.
0: Yeah. I love that pick. And then I was super happy with my keeper in the ninth round. Daleen. I was pumped to get him where I got him last year. And he was a guy that came out out of the gate hot. And I was like, everybody's like, what round did you get him in? I'm like ninth. There was like, no, what? Like people were like, they couldn't believe I got him that late. It was awesome. I, I had a a bunch of other really good late keepers and I had to make some trades to get rid of them because I was like, I, I, how do I not keep him in the ninth? I love that pick.
1: Oh yeah. I I think you were talking to me by text and like, Hey, I'm considering keeping this guy and I'm like well you better do more than just considering like that's that's a that's a you're going to keep him <laughs> so uh i mean he's a he's a top three defenseman in this format he's a top twenty five player in this format in the entire league and to have him in the ninth round pretty amazing um at nine eight Drake Batherson uh Tomatich ended end up having him uh picked him in an in eighth round or in the ninth round late in the ninth round this is a great pick uh I would have drafted Batherson over guys like Caulfield, Horvat, Foley, even Jordan Cairo in the fifth round, who Thomas has got in the fifth round, and maybe even Claude Drew, who just won a couple picks before. Again, just a couple picks, so not a big deal. But Batherson, I think he's better than all of them. Uh, huge increase in shots last year, up to 249 shots on goal. He only shot 8.8% last year. Let's just say he increases that to maybe like a modest 12%. That's going to put him over 30 goals. He's going to dish out around 40 assists. Again, be around that 70-point player. He's going to be just under a point-per-game player. Great value in the ninth round. And again, I love Ottawa. (laughs) I would have drafted him if I didn't already have Stutzle and Kachuk on my team. I would have been taking yeah. Batherson here. I would have even taken I, him a couple rounds. Previously, great value for Batherson.
0: I agree. I think sometimes the problem is we get in this mindset of us who are a little bit older, who've been paying attention to a long time. Ottawa's just been bad for so long. You didn't yeah. want anybody on their team. And now they have so much good young talent. And I, for one, got in the middle of this draft. Like you said, I would much rather have Batherson over Hovart so much more just because not only because I think he's equal as a player, but I like Ottawa so much better than I like the Islanders as far as a team that scores points. Uh And I, that was just a swing and a miss by me. I just whiffed and not seeing Batherson there, but I think you're right. This was a weird, these, these last two or three rounds were kind of a weird round. We had a decent amount of keepers, but then we had a mix of like a lot of the older players, that people were like, ooh, now's the time I can take a shot on because I'm not taking them like top five rounds. So you, you saw a decent amount of old guys go, but then you also saw people go the opposite and take some younger players with pretty high upside. So it was kind of kind of a, a, a weird mix in these uh, last two or three rounds.
1: Yeah, I'd like to maybe – let's talk about where you bounce back though, JT. I mean, so you, you had a great 11th round. Now, I'll t- say Tage Thompson was kept at 10 3, um, you know, by, by Tomatich. So, of course, you know, great keeper there. Let's get into the 11th round, though. JT, you got picks at 11 4 and 11 6. Took Jerry McCann at Seattle 11 4. You turn around, you take Dylan Cousins at 11 6. To me, amazing picks in the 11th round. Great value. McCann, he scored 40 goals last year. All right. So did he have a 19% uh, shooting percentage? Yeah. Is that going to regress a little bit? It probably will. Yes. However, given the 11th round, amazing value. Like we're to score just as many points as many players drafted in the fifth or or sixth rounds this year. So if you take guys like Horvat and you end up taking probably going to score him, he probably will. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, think about that. You got him in the 11th round. A lot of teams passed on him. And again, Dylan Cousins, Cousins. You talk about cousins here at the end of this year. Sabers. You're gonna you're gonna talk about a big three in Buffalo: Paige Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Novi Dylan Cousins. You got Tuck. You got Skinner. Those guys again are a little bit older. Tuck not as much, but Skinner definitely is. Cousins gonna be the part of the big three. Man, that Buffalo team is gonna be so good. His age, 21, season last year, 31 goals, 37 assists. 81 points. I mean, this guy is a steal there in the 11th round. Uh, Those, so you made up for it. You may have been pissing yourself before, but you came back with McCann and Cousins. 11-4, 11-6. Great value picks.
0: I actually like both those guys better than Horvath and you should. I was like, Oh yeah. wait, I was like, wait, I like these guys way better than it's like, I feel like it's like in my dynasty football drafts where I take somebody in like the fourth or fifth and I'm like, I really like my seventh and eighth round pick better. So, uh, yeah, I was pumped to get those guys. If you were wondering how did I get two 11th round picks? I traded away one of my guys to someone else for, as a keeper, um, and that's how I got the uh the extra eleventh round pick. Um, if you're looking at the board, if you're listening to a podcast, you're not gonna see it, but if you're look looking on the board, I also had two tenth round picks. I took uh uh Wierenski and I took Kreider. So again, I traded two guys that were really valuable keepers because I could only keep three, traded those guys away and got some mid picks. Uh and I was really happy with what I ended up getting for those keepers.
1: Yeah, uh, Again, you're going to be happy with that at the, at, at the end of the year. Um, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> you may have uh, been taking a little bit of notes on uh, me pumping up cousins there for a bit. But, man, uh, again, he's he's going to be 22 this year. Um, that He's going to be a keeper for you. Uh, if he does what he should do, which he probably will, you'll be keeping him next season. And what the value you actually have, here will be an 11th rounder next year. This 11th round, uh, end up having great keepers. Uh, uh, so Jeff Daylor. Who again is perennial, uh, top two in our league almost every single year? He kept Brandon Hagel, or I'm sorry, he picked Brandon Hagel at pick 11 9. This guy signed an eight year deal, so Tampa Bay is actually committed to Hagel. He had 30 goals, 30 assists last season, it would not surprise me if it replicated again this year, given he's on the line one with like Kucherov, uh, Point, he's on power play, one of those guys as well, throw in Stamkos. The company's too good. The commitment Tampa Bay has actually made to him give uh, has given uh, to him tells me he's going to have many good seasons ahead. Great value pick there at eleven nine. I'm not going to go through every pick here because I know we're 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 getting up against time here. Uh, We've been almost going close to an hour, but uh, another guy I actually picked in the 13th round was uh, Brandon Montour. Uh, Montour at pick 13 five. Only reason he slid that far is because he is out. Now, um, Florida says he will be out between, he'll come back between sometime November and January. If I've learned anything about NHL players, they say this guy's gonna be out till February and somehow he comes back in November. Happens all of the time. So I'm not too worried about Montour. Um, He's gonna be a top five defenseman and a top 25 player in this format for this given season. And for me to already have Devin Taves and Chris Latang, and also uh Dougie Hamilton. I, you know, that's a great blue line for me. So I'm pr- I'm pretty excited to get Montour at 13 5.
0: Yeah, 13 1 just a little bit, uh get against her went out. He's injured for Pittsburgh, but when at 13 1. That's the only reason he dropped as far as he did. Uh is a guy we've talked about at 13 2. When he went there, I was like, ooh. Kind of missed on him i kind of like zaka um so i thought that was a nice pick at 13-2 um i jumped back in and took old bob bobrovsky from florida mm-hmm. there's another good team i waited 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 on my second goal i got him in the 14th so i was pretty pumped about him in the 14th uh, a couple other keepers i traded away um uh nugent hopkins who ended up being a 14th round keeper and I traded away Eric Carlson, who ended up being a 15th-round keeper. That's how I got that 10th and 11th-round pick. Uh, Carlson had that monster back uh, bounce-back season. I like him a ton. If I didn't have Darlene, he would have been my keeper, probably in the 15th. But I, I just thought Darlene in the ninth was just too much value, and he's too young. Uh, so I was like, I got to keep him. Uh, a couple other guys we like kind of going down the list. I was trying to see if anybody jumped out at you. I took a little bit of flyer on on, uh, Taylor Hall in the 17th. I think the Blackhawks are going to be terrible. I think we are all think they're going to be terrible. I'm taking a chance on him, and I'm hoping and praying they put him with Bedard, and that's the one line that can score. And I'm hoping that he gets some good assists and gets – some goals, frankly, just because Bedard's such a wizard. Uh, so I jumped in there and took a little bit of a flyer on him in the seventeenth, hoping that a good player on a bad team is going to be next to another good player. And as long as you have one good line, maybe that line can score you some points.
1: Yeah, we we don't really care about primary versus secondary assists in this format. An assist is an assist, and he's going to get plenty of them uh, playing with a guy like Bedard. I mean, uh, so. I will say I haven't been too impressed with him in the preseason, but I also got to remind myself that he's a veteran, uh, former uh, first overall pick. It's a preseason. He's not pushing himself. He's actually not trying to (laughs) go out and actually impress anybody. He's just trying to get his feet underneath him, get some reps Mm -hmm. in. I'm not worried about Taylor Hall at all. He's going to get plenty of assists. If they end up being where he's close to the 45 to 50 assist mark, that will not surprise me at all, given how much we is going to put the puck in the net. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, Blackhawks and maybe former Blackhawks, one of the guys I was a little ticked off about that got taken was, uh, John Martini, um, our guy, um, that is crack house there. He took Patrick Kane in the 21st round with the first pick and I maybe had called him a bad name over text message when he ended up doing that, but man, uh, Kane, I could see him playing for his hometown Buffalo. Uh, that seems to be a match made to heaven. There's been mutual, uh, um, um interest there from uh, both uh, Kane's camp as well as um as, as well as buffalo as well uh kane actually is coming off a hip surgery uh that's a reason why he may have been a little down last year because patrick kane um he, he can carry an entire line he has done for his career i will end up saying that kane has got plenty of great hockey ahead of him uh, he's still um gonna be a top 25 to 30 player in this league mark my words on that um but for him to get him in the 21st round and he may end up sitting maybe for the first month but then getting plugged into a team like buffalo that was really really ticked off when he ended up going about four picks ahead of me and i had to settle for getting huge nest off for uh washington which isn't bad top power player or whatnot but i really really wanted patrick kane
0: yeah th- that's another thing to think about draft strategies well some of these guys hurt are gonna drop in drafts, and you might be able to get some really good value. Kane was a guy that I have to be honest at this point in the draft wasn't even on my radar, I wasn't even thinking about it. And the second he took him, I was like, Oh man, that could end up being a really good pick. And again, say he drops Kane, say something doesn't you know, uh, materialize with him, and he just drops him and picks up a random waiver wire that's not killing you in round 21. I mean. You're just swinging for the fences here in the last two or three rounds. Most of these guys are probably going to get dropped, or they're guys that are just going to move in and out of your lineup. You got to pick up somebody, play somebody else a couple games, drop them, repick these guys up. I thought it was totally worth a flyer. Obviously, Toast, you're cr- crushing it. Was Stutzel in the twentieth round as a keeper? Uh, everyone's <laughs> yeah. jealous as possibly can be about that. I know me and you have him in a couple other dynasty leagues as uh, we're super pumped about him and one of the few guys we told everybody there's no way you're trading for him, so stop asking. He's so untouchable. I love that. Uh, yeah, you just I, that's just an unbelievable move. A guy that you know, again, I have to go back to my my Red Wings that I was super pumped to get. I took him super late last year. And then when he didn't get off to a good start, I tried to win a week, and I dropped him in order to get some extra plays. And I, I somebody picked him up immediately, and I was kicking myself the rest of the season. Lucas Raymond for the Red Wings, another year. I got him at 18-5. I was super pumped about it when he was still there. Uh, I know people are down on him a little bit, but I just think he's a super young player. Their offense is getting back together. I love that pick for me just as a Red Wings fan. And I like Raymond a lot. I like that at, at 18. Um, is there anybody here in these last like three or four rounds that wasn't necessarily a keeper that kind of jumped out at you? I I was kind of looking through the list, seeing there was somebody I thought that had like high upside or was kind of a kind of a nice pick late.
1: Yeah, I uh I'll I'll end the podcast like this, JT, and say that. Let's talk about raymond just for a second nobody should be down on raymond um he entered the league as a 19 year old as a 19 year old he had 57 points in 82 games Uh, as a 20 year old he had 45 points in 74 games so he's like okay he regressed a little bit the shooting percentage actually went up a little bit he didn't shoot the puck as much he played in eight less games Um, again that's a rebuilding situation there raymond in the 18th round great value um, that, that's going to work out real really well. He'll get a lot of PowerPoint deployment as well. So kudos to you actually getting Raymond, but the, the end off, there's, uh, two guys near the end of the, uh, the, uh, 21st and 22nd rounds. I actually love, uh, Hayton for, um, for Arizona. Baylor actually got him. He's going to center their top line. Um, he's going to have, uh, guys like, uh, uh, Keller. He's going to have, uh, um, uh. Really, they're an up-and-coming team. We talked about what type of dumpster fire they've actually been. Um, They um, are are really going through a lot of uh, issues uh, from an organization, trying to get a new arena, uh, trying to actually get relocated or whatnot. But Hayton being a top power play, top line, younger player, really, really actually like him. Um, I I think that that was a a steal later on. Uh, I think the, the guy's only 23 years old. And, uh, and last year, he had 43 points in 82 games. Like, eh, okay. But if you look at his progressions going from 82 shots on goal of 2021 to 178 on 2022 and only shooting 10%, they're going to get better. Uh, they're going to get a lot better. And then lastly, uh, in the last round, Yaakov uh, Vrana uh, for St. Louis. Uh, so, for Vrana, he has so much potential. But let's stay healthy. Last year, played five games for Detroit. St. Louis, the previous year, 20 games. pre was that, 25. Before that, 26. Before that, 39. <laughs> so the guy just can't stay healthy, but when he is, he's on a pace for about 65 points a year on an 82-game slate. Great stab by Sanderson there in the 22nd round to go ahead and try to get Verana. Um Kind of ticked off of myself. I ended up doing the same. So... Um, but, man, uh, it was an awesome draft. Um, we got a pretty competitive league for a home league. Majority of guys do their homework. Um, I, I end up finding myself as a as a as somebody who's plugged into fantasy hockey quite a bit, fairly frustrated during a draft, getting a lot of my guys taken from me. So, uh, And usually you don't have that in a home league, so I'm pretty excited for this year.
0: Yeah, the, the one thing to bring up about Ronnie uh, when he was on Detroit – He's had some off the ice issues that have caused some of that with the injuries that have caused him not to get back on the ice. So hopefully he can kind of clear some of that up. Um, but that's been part of the issue with the injuries is he's had some off the ice problems that have caused him to get suspended to have some other issues. Was uh, is that player assistance program, JT? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So if he can if he can kind of work those things out, the guy's got a ton of talent. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, he's again we talked about it. These last couple of rounds, it's worth a stab at, guys. I mean, if they end up not working out, it's not going to crush your team. You can drop them in the first couple of weeks of the season if it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Out. We got one more question before we bail out of here. Uh, John McGlynn, the new guy to our league, we loved his draft. He had a question. He said, "How come there's no t- uh, no ice time or plus minus points for this league?" He kind of he feels like it's an important hockey stat. Toast, kind of tell them why we talked about this in the past. Tell them why we've kind of avoided adding this in to our stats.
1: Yeah, plus minus. Uh, uh, we uh, Time on ice, guys, I could see an argument for that. Uh, but then again, um, I mean, really, if you look at time on ice, you're going to end up just targeting the first guys on the first line, the first power play. They're going to get the most time on ice. So it ends up being a select group of people. Uh, so it's hard to kind of target guys. Maybe later on in the, in the draft that really are going to take up a lot of time on ice. But plus minus was a big one I did not want to include in our, in our league because there's so many really, really good young players, for example, in Anaheim, or example, in Ottawa, that have continuously been losing. Um, but therefore, their plus minuses actually don't look good. But man, they're just stud players. And I really didn't want to actually um, you know penalize them for situations that quite frankly may have been out of their control based on what their team was doing. Um, There's probably, um, I would say, seven to eight teams per year in the NHL that are in quote unquote rebuild mode. And a lot of those teams in a rebuild mode are looking to sign veterans so they can make the cap floor. And then they'll end up having some productive seasons. They'll flip them at the trade deadline. And it kind of, penalize those guys for their plus minus just didn't really seem uh too fair. So that that's a, again not buying or selling. I would never criticize any team to this or any league to decide to go ahead and have plus minus in their league, but that was the reasoning behind leaving it out of our league.
0: It was something that uh that we discussed that was similar to the goalie situation. We didn't want people not playing goalies or not picking up really good goalies because they were on bad teams and they were going to score negative points. And we kind of talked about, hey, if we do plus minus, you're going to look at some of these really young studs, like you said, and they're going to have terrible plus minuses because they're on bad teams and there's nothing they can do about it. And so that that was for us, I think, you know, I speak for both of us that we wanted to even things out where we wanted you to be taking the best players. We wanted you to be playing as many guys as possible. We want to get rid of some of that negative points, where you're starting to question every week, like, do I want to play my max plays or do I want to sit some of these guys in case they score me negative and I lose the week and I've just never personal preference of mine. I'm not totally against negative points in general. I'm against negative points when you literally can automatically try to sit people because you're worried that they might score negative and lose the week. I, I want people to play their max amount of guys and I want people to play their full lineup. So that, that, for me, was one of the big reasons not to do the plus-minus because you don't want to take some of these young studs, especially in the keeper league, where you might want to keep that guy and you're like, man, he scored me negative points on the season because the plus-minus was so terrible. But that's a good question, John. Yeah,
1: it's a great question, uh, and I'll even uh, kind of relate that to the football um, you got some, um, some, some first round picks are actually on some real, really good teams. And, uh, you got a guy like Brees Hall over and uh, you know, New York jets is a running back who now that quarterbacks Rogers actually hurt for the year, their plus minus quote unquote, is not going to be too darn good, but man, Brees Hall is a pretty darn good player. He's going to be real, really good. Hate to penalize a young guy for that. Um, I think, uh, time on ice and, uh, plus minuses are more prevalent and, uh, more of a used, uh, um, uh, metric. When you're talking about a categories league um, versus a a head to head league as well. Um, One thing I want to chat about here, JT, before we wrap up the the podcast, I know we got to probably get going here, is you talked about like taking late flyers on, on a lot of these players in the 20th, 21st, 22nd round. Why is that so important? I'll tell you why. Every single season, if you're in a format in a league where a player is actually kept in the round they were drafted in you may end up in ended up the the end of the season you may end up saying you know i got like seven potential keepers on my team seven because based on where i drafted, because i drafted so well at the end of the draft these guys actually panned out so well to me you can keep three and let's say you have seven potential keepers you better be trading four players you better be trading four players to move up the draft board in certain spots and maximize all of your talent on your roster and not eat all of those good players because if you are you're not actually being a good manager in the off season you're really just kind of letting your players go and somebody's going to draft them at a much higher rate and you lost that on your chance to actually maximize their value and actually put quote-unquote money in your pocket so um yeah, those those last rounds made things, eh, they're just throwaway rounds. 18th to 22nd round, they were super, super important.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. It was a great draft. Home leagues are the absolute best. Get all your buddies together. Do a live draft. Even though we used fan tracks online, which was phenomenal, it sped up our drafts. It made everything better. It was so much easier to keep track of guys and put guys in the queue. I mean, I absolutely loved it, but still get together in a live setting and get and hang out. We did it; it was awesome. We had a great time. Like we said, fan tracks was premium this year. The fact that we could keep keepers in the round that we're in, we could mark trades pre drafts was great. All these things that we haven't been able to do in the past that made things very difficult. And as as a commissioner, uh, toast really put a lot of extra work on you helped out these things a uh, uh, big time this year.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, and I tell you what, JT talking about, uh, um, this season coming up, um, I'm pretty excited. Uh, hopefully we can continue to actually pump out these episodes on every Wednesday or maybe even every other Wednesday, you know, given, uh, you know, uh, time that we actually both have, uh, you know, we'll be bringing a, a format to you, uh, about, uh, you know, <laughs> around ice with JT and toast, uh, you know, Toast takes, um, talking about those hot streaks, cold streaks, uh, injuries, outries, whatever you want to call them, schedules uh, that actually work well for players that actually don't work well for players. So to have that weekly content coming out to the listeners, pretty excited for this year's uh, NHL season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So make sure to check us out, uh, hit, hit like, and subscribe, uh, the steward JT brew. We have a lot of football content, a lot of gambling content on football. We will throw some hockey gambling in here oh, as yeah, we get the season to. going. As we get a little, uh, frisky me and toast. will take some of our, our toast takes and front of our favorite uh, bets of the, of the week. So, uh, that's something we'll, we'll have for you. So hit the like and subscribe button. It'll let you know when we're going to come online, Always get on the X, hit me up at, at JT Orange, hit Toast up at Toast Clark, ask us questions, ask us anything you want about hockey, fancy football. We both play a ton of fancy football as well, so get on there and do that. But we want to thanks everyone for joining us. Make sure to check us out. Wednesdays is where you'll find us most of the time. We'll, like Toast said, hopefully about every week or every other week once the season gets going, and we'll have a mix of everything talking waiver wires, pickups, bets we like, guys we like, streaks, uh, just all the stuff, and, and and we'll answer questions. If you get on live on YouTube, uh, feel free, like John McGlynn, our buddy did tonight, get on, ask us questions, we'll throw it on the show, and we'll answer them. But we appreciate everybody checking out the show tonight. If you didn't get to watch the show live, check us out on your favorite podcast Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts—all that stuff will be downloaded here shortly. Thanks very much for everyone. Thanks for Fantrax for hosting us. It was a great time here on the Stew with JT Bureau for Toast. I'm JT. May the trading never quit, and all your draft picks hit. Let's check you next time. Uh, you up on trades and why you moves? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the box.